Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We've all had to say goodbye at some point, right? And it seems like it's never easy, especially at certain times or in certain moments, um, saying goodbye to a child who's going off to college, saying goodbye to a vicar or a pastor, or someone who's getting deployed for six months or, or two years, or unfortunately sometimes saying goodbye to a loved one at their Christian funeral, even with the sure hope of heaven, but saying goodbye is hard. Maybe sometimes it seems easier to uh, say, well, we'll see you later. <laughs> see you soon. Auf Wiedersehen. No? <laughs> um, my in-laws, my wife and my in-laws, they have, you can notice, like, so we've, we live half a country apart from each other, so we don't see each other often. It used to be sometimes we wouldn't see each other for two years. So when my wife and, the, and my in-laws have a chance, like, say goodbye, but like there's something coming up in another month or six weeks, they just love to say, oh, I'll see you in a month instead of like, I'll see you who knows when, right? Because saying goodbye, not easy. Every Sunday, as believers, we gather here at church. We are encouraged by God as we worship him. He encourages us through his word. We encourage one another through the various parts of the worship service. And then at the end, in a way, we say farewell to each other. And at the very end of our worship service, almost always come the familiar word of the Lord, blessing or the benediction, right? And they're part of that Old Testament reading that we already heard from Numbers chapter 6 and an appropriate lesson for today, Trinity Sunday. Um, Trinity Sunday is the one Sunday dedicated not to an event in the life of Jesus or the disciples of Jesus, but is dedicated to a teaching, a basic teaching of the Bible. Yet, as I spoke about with the children, something that on our own we could never figure out. And so I don't want this Trinity Sunday or this service or this sermon or our hearing of the blessing from that Old Testament. I don't want it to be an academic exercise, right? It is appropriate, though, on this Sunday. Even without hearing the name of the Father or the Son of the whole, or the Holy Spirit, that blessing that we heard that blessing that we regularly hear every Sunday points us to the triune God, doesn't it? So where did it start? Where does it come from? We're going to go back just a few years. They were all ready. The bags were packed. They were ready to go. Talking about the children of Israel. God had taken them, saved them from Egypt, from slavery. He brought them through the Red Sea, took them to Mount Sinai, and there he formally made them his people by giving them 
the law. The Ten Commandments, which will always express his will for all people, but also he made them his people by giving them the civil and the ceremonial laws that would govern their lives. But now it was time for them. They spent about a year there at Mount Sinai, by the way, camping. And now, though, it was time for them to head off towards the promised land, the land that God had said they would inhabit. They were ready to go. In a matter of some days, they would be marching forward. But there was one thing that everyone had to have in their backpack still. Not food or water. God would provide manna, continue to provide manna and quail, and if necessary, bring water out of a rock. God would take care of that. Not shoes or clothing, another change of clothing. Remember, even throughout the 40 years, their clothes and their shoes never wore out miraculously. But before they headed out, God came to them and gave to them some important words for their journey. God told Moses to tell to Aaron, his brother, the priest, to speak these words of blessing over the people. He dictated those words. Right? Kind of like the Lord's Prayer. That when the disciples asked Jesus, how do teach us how to pray, Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. Now we can pray in many different ways, formally, informally, with our own words. But we still use the Lord's Prayer because Jesus dictated it and it, we're not bound to do it, but we do. Kind of like the, the same way with this blessing. We're not obligated to use this blessing. God didn't, doesn't command us to use this blessing uh, at the end of our worship service. So um, it's not an innovation. It's not either just uh, some tradition that we try to maintain. We're not obligated, but we still use it because God dictated those words. And for more than 3,500 years, believers have been blessed in many different places and in many different languages. I just, for myself, I tried to calculate. I've heard those words of blessing more than 3,000 times in my life. Some of you maybe more, words of blessing that have been with believers in good times and in bad times, as they were suffering or sick or tempted, as they felt like they didn't want to go on, as they felt guilty, as they felt weak in their faith. These words bring blessing from God. And together with the rest of uh, the parts of our worship service, right, the hymns and the prayers that we offer, uh, the scripture readings, the Lord's Supper when it's offered. But I, I dare say that if someone overslept, their alarm didn't go, and they came to church, and they were going to be 50 minutes late, it'd still be worth it to come and listen to the words of this blessing. Why? Because they're the words of God. They're the words of God's blessing, okay, that possess power, not magic, but power to give 
that blessing. And so believers, whether they're facing a journey through the wilderness or believers like us today who, in some ways, the week in front of us might be a wilderness and the world around us might seem to be a wilderness, God gives us a blessing for the journey. Maybe on page five in your worship folder, you probably know the words, so you don't have to do this, but if you'd like, have the words on page five before you. You probably know them, but the reason I say that is because something that's very familiar and well-known to us, what happens often? Anybody? What happens when something is so well-known and familiar? Kind of gets taken for granted. Kind of doesn't, you don't appreciate it sometimes. You just do it without thinking. So I want to go through and think through these words. Can't help but notice there's a format, and that's why I wanted the bulletin open. You can kind of see a little format. It's a triple blessing, right? And each couplet of words kind of grows. It grows in length. In fact, in Hebrew, the first two lines have three words only. The next two lines have five words. The next two lines have seven words. It's like growing in this completeness and comes to the end. The number seven always kind of represents completeness in the Bible. Moses, God said to Moses, tell Aaron to bless the people with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. Think about what was facing those believers, those children of Israel. Times of wandering through the wilderness, 40 years, up and down, back and forth, being led by the Lord. (laughs) It would seem like his word, his promises, his directions must have seemed like what? Right? They were facing times of war. In that promised land, there were people that inhabited that land. And all the way, there were other peoples. They had to get through. And all those other peoples had heard about how God had brought his people out of Egypt. And they feared them. They didn't love God or other people. But because they feared him, they would fight fiercely, wouldn't they? So God's people were facing wandering, battles. But more importantly, they faced their own sin. You guys know their history out there. More complaining, more idolatry, more failures. Many of them would even fall away from faith individually. And yet God would guard them and keep them as a people. Preserving them and providing for them. Just using a couple words. And protecting them against any and all dangers. He would lead them in a column of of cloud during the day, in a column of fire at night. He would fight for them. For instance, making the sun stand still so that they could finish the battle. God would fight for them, and more importantly, God would forgive them their sin correct them, and in this way, God would keep them. There would be times of blessing also. There would be times when they would follow him and obey him and listen to him, okay? 
And that kind of describes our lives also, right? We face adversity. We face difficulties. And more importantly, our sin is always with us, okay? How precious are the words of God with this blessing. The Lord will bless us and keep us. And we ask him to do that. And we have full confidence that he has done that and he does do that and he will continue to do that. And because of that, as Martin Luther said, for all of which is my duty to thank and praise and serve and obey him. Lord, bless us and keep us. Lord, make your face shine on us. The Lord make, your, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. What do we think about when we consider God's faith? Right? The Lord make his face shine. You think about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He didn't let people see his glory all the time, but he did there, right? In fact, earlier, he didn't even want Moses to see his glory. Right? But when we come right down to it, just like those children of Israel, Believers, yet sinners? How should God's face have shined on them? God's face should have been angry with them, right? For their sin and for their unbelief. His face should, should have burned with anger, but nevertheless, his face shined on them with his favor. The Lord smiled on them. And why? kind of helps us focus now on his son and our Savior Jesus, right? Why did God smile on his people, the children of Israel? The same reason he smiles at us. Because of the work of Jesus, God's son, our Savior. Think back to Good Friday. Think back to when Jesus endured three hours of darkness on the cross. Think back to what he shouted out in the middle of that anguish. You remember what he said? He did not say, Father. In the middle of his suffering, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God the Father turned his face away from his beloved Son. Because God the Father's anger against sin burned against his son Jesus. But for a moment, and for a purpose, right? Because we know that on the third day, God the Father raised him from the dead, smiling. And we know that because of what Jesus has done, God the Father smiles at us. His face shines on us with his grace, and with his favor. Um, I have a granddaughter that's coming up on three months, and she's learning, and she's learned a while, but she knows how to smile. And what happens when she smiles at me? What happens? It makes me smile, doesn't it? And when we know that God looks on us with his favor, favor, his face shines on us, and as a way of changing us, too. 
and putting a smile on our face. God said to Moses to tell the Aaron to bless the people. Finally, the Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you The peace that we heard about in the New Testament lesson. Consequently, being justified through faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. It's not a wish that there be an end to aggression and fighting in Ukraine or in any place on the world, in the world. It's, a, it's the peace that is described in that famous hymn. It is well with my soul, right? It is well because, not because somehow we have made things good with God, but because he has made things good with us. We have peace. Whether we feel it 100% or something less than 100%. Whether we realize it fully or not, from God's point of view, we have peace. That's what the Romans chapter 5 reading says. We have peace with God. And I like to illustrate, as I say sometimes, having peace with God is like a woman being pregnant. You weren't expecting that one, were you? But here's the point. It's either yes or no, isn't it? A woman cannot be almost pregnant or partially pregnant. Nod your heads if I'm, you're following me, yes? Okay? In the same way, we have peace with God. He declares it. He says so. And he gives it to us in this blessing. We may feel it sometimes. Praise God. But we may not always feel it. But that's the comfort of coming back to his word and hearing him say, the Lord give you peace through the work of the Holy Spirit. Before we uh, go on, I just want a uh, couple points. This blessing that God gave to Moses to tell to Aaron to pronounce over the people, it was meant for all of them for all two million of those Israelites out there. But when, when God dictated the words, he said, tell Aaron to bless them by saying, the Lord bless you. You don't see it in English, but he changed from plural to singular, right? He wanted Aaron to bless all of them, but he wanted him to say, the Lord bless you, because God had all of those two million people as his own people, but he also knew each one of them personally, just as well as he knows you and loves you and wants to bless you, and that's why we use the same words, the Lord bless you and keep you personally. And he even gave us one extra bonus. I will put my name on you. Have you seen those 
t-shirts property of UCLA or property of University of Maryland or something like that. Well, God in his baptism. And every time this, this blessing is pronounced, takes his claim. You are his own. You ever hear someone say, I'm so, I'm so glad that God is part of my life. Did you ever hear somebody say something like that or no? I always wonder, hmm, kind of an understatement, isn't it? I'm glad God is part of my life. To tell the truth, God isn't part of our lives. God isn't even a big part of our lives. God, the triune God, is our life, no? And he loves us perfectly. There's nothing more important. He's everything. And you and I are everything for him. Every day, every week, every moment, we have a journey. It's more like a battle, I'd say, kind of like the Israelites in our life. Our enemy is strong and crafty and persistent. Our strength, our competence, even our willpower is weak. Every Sunday, our triune God comes and gives us what we need as we walk out the door. Not like a teacher. What's the last thing a teacher does at the end of the day? Gives the kids their homework. It's all good. <laughs> but our God doesn't tell us, send us out telling us what we should do. First and foremost, he sends us out giving us his blessing, his grace, his favor, and the power strength that we need in our journey. Sometimes somebody comes to church, once in a while, uh, they leave their glasses or their phone or their keys in the pew, right? There's times, sometimes people, because of the other commitments they have, they might leave church a little early, right? There was one time a man in Falls Church, a Spanish speaker, he kind of had a, I don't know if it was an anxiety, but... He didn't like being with people and talking and people looking at him. And I told him, I made an agreement with him. I said, I'll make you a deal. Why don't you come five minutes late, sit in the back, and leave five minutes early? At least he'd be there, right? I'm not sure that was the best advice, though, because what was I doing inadvertently? I wanted him to be there to hear my sermon, right? <laughs> but maybe he was missing out on something just as important. The last words, the words of blessing from God, right, that he would take with him. And those words, powerful words of blessing, are yours also. Seems simple, almost seems too simple. Just listening and God will bless us. No doing no striving, no obeying, no earning on our part. Just God blessing us. The Lord bless you. I'm going to say it at the end again, but I, I'd love to say it again. We already heard it. 
Can't hear it enough, though, actually. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.